Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads with unique careers and the roads they travel to get there. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Max Russo, class of 2020. Today, we talk with Matt Ellis, class of 2015, lead singer, founder of the Fourth Point Band, and a PPC marketing strategist. We're going to learn how Matt balances his creativity as a performer and musician with the strategic vision of a marketing strategist. Joining us today is Matt Ellis, class of 2015. Matt, what do you do? Man, well, it is so great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I. so what do I do? I do a lot of different things. Uh, professionally, what I do, I work from home in marketing. Um, and uh, specifically digital marketing. So everything to do with social media, Google ads, things like that, um, and work with, you know, clients kind of all over remotely, uh, which is really great. And um, I'm also a working musician as well. So have a group and have been doing that for next year will be the 10 year anniversary of, of our band, which is pretty cool. So um, a lot of creative things, I guess, is what I like to say is what I what I do. I'm going to go ahead and take a guess here that music is your first love uh, with uh, with what you do creatively. Yeah. So let's talk about your your life as a musician sure. first. So when did you get the itch to begin making music? Yeah, I think um, you know I've I've always been musically inclined. Um, I, the strange thing is that there's really nobody in my family immediately that was like a musician or a guitar player or a producer or whatever it is. Um, and it was pretty much when I was 10 years old, um, asked for a guitar, like around Thanksgiving or something, my parents got it. And of course I started learning like all the, you know, head banging eighties rock bands and hair band, you know, ACDC and learning like every riff that I could, because that was just all I wanted to do. Um, and you know, from there started to get involved in, uh, playing just with friends and kind of doing things like that. And I wouldn't say I really started, you know, truly creating music until I was probably in junior high, um, is when that started. So it's, uh, yeah, kind of been one of those things that, you know, over the years, uh, has, you know, obviously really developed, but I've been able to, um, kind of trace back and look back at, you know, some of my old songs and where things are at today. And I've kind of always had kind of a creative inkling, but um, <clears throat> specifically with music, I didn't really dive into like, how do I write a song or what, you know, how do I record a song? How do I produce a song um, until, yeah, I was probably, you know, 13, 14 years old. So um, yeah. So there are two parts of that. There's you, the person who's the performer, and then the person who actually makes uh, the music. How do you do? You, how do you approach those two different hats uh, differently? Yeah, I would say. I mean, it's uh, it, it's one of those things. I think every every and this could be in work. This could be in a normal job. This could be as a musician, any type of artist. I think at first you're really inspired by. Um, you know, kind of your initial heroes in the music scene or whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, for me, I was just really integrated into, uh, you know, music, not only at my church, but just, um, you know, having an influence of a lot of that old, like rock music I liked and things like that. 
and I think, you know, looking up to a lot of the people that maybe you aspire, you want your songs to kind of be like or sound like or creatively to be like, um, that was something that, you know, would always kind of continuously grow um, into. But I think really, you know, for me, it's uh, uh, on the performer side, kind of one of those things where it's like riding a bike, you just need to do it and fall over a bunch of times. And then you eventually learn like, okay, what do I say? What do I not say? Like, am I over speaking too much? Or am I, you know, explaining this song in front of an audience too much or whatever it might look like. But um, I think it was really organic for me. I was never, you know, taught like this is, this is how you should perform in front of people or this is, you know, I wasn't in theater or anything like that. So a lot of it was just going to concerts, watching, you know, bands that inspired me. Um, and then, you know, when we were lucky enough to get some of our first gigs as a band, I think um, really just going after it and then kind of looking back on, okay, well, that show, you know, maybe I talked too long in this section of the concert and I should have, you know, played more. Maybe I should have so it, it, it's just kind of one of those things. I think, you know, uh, like anything, the more you practice, the more comfortable you become in that. Um, and I, I, I do think uh, it, over time, I've definitely learned, um, you know, to kind of have a, a deeper meaning or purpose behind like when I when I get on stage or when we're performing or doing a show, just being a little bit more intentful behind things that I'm saying or what I'm doing. So I, I think it's just a lot of practice. I mean, the creative space side of it um, and also the performing side kind of go hand in hand in the sense that, uh, you know, you kind of have to choose to um, just kind of face like your initial fear. And then I think once you initially do that and start getting in practice with uh, doing that more, maybe that's writing a song and sharing it with somebody or that's, um, you know, playing your first concert or whatnot, it's, uh, it's something that you, you know, are continually growing from. So, um, I it's think it's gotta be such a weird, yeah, it's gotta be such a weird, um, kind of skill to sharpen in that the resource that is so finite is the feedback from a crowd, right? I mean, cause like, it's not like you can just conjure up like, Oh, did I, did I get that back from them? Because you have to get the gig first in order to then get the feedback that you want to then order to adjust for the next right. time that you do it. So that's just gotta right. be such a, uh, I think that goes back to what you were saying that how in, how much intent uh, that you have to have with each move that you, uh, that you yeah. make as a performer. So yeah. let's go back a little bit. So you, you've been with the same band members for how long? Yeah. So next year will, will literally be like the 10 year band anniversary, which is crazy because um, you know, doing anything creatively with the same people for any amount of time, like even a year or two years or, or whatever it might be. Um, you know, we've, we've, and I've just met and played with a lot of musicians that when I tell them that they're like, that is insane that you could go from being literally an adolescent little kid playing, you know, guitar hero and then forming a band and like playing at church and then playing, you know, your first concerts and still creatively, um, you know, be, you know, making music with the same people. So yeah. Why do you think, why do you think that is? Why do you think the four of you work together so well? I think, uh, it, for one, I think we're, we're best friends before 
you know, bandmates and musicians. And even before we started getting paid to play and do like uh, uh, independent events or private events or, you know, conferences or things like that, I think, you know, one of the, the, the best advice I really ever got from a band that we got to open up for a number of years ago, um, I asked the singer of that band, I just said like, cause they had a similar situation. They had been together for like something crazy, 20 years, you know, and like any relationship in life, he just kind of explained to me and said, you know, being best friends, um, valuing each other as, you know, people first and, and loving the people that you create with is really the most important thing. So, you know, and all the guys in our band, they were groomsmen in my wedding. And um, we've been, you know, very, very close, even uh, beyond just musically. So I think that that's something, you know, that's that's really important. And I think a lot of times it's easy to just get in creative relationships with people, um, whether that's, again, like at work or that's making a song or that's writing a book or whatever you're doing. I think it's really easy to just view something as, well, this is just us coming together to do our job and then we're not going to really have any, you know, investment in each other. I guess that's a great point. So the name of your band is fourth point and kind of tell me about like the ascent of the type of gigs that you guys started off with and then, uh, and then where that's gone and what are, what have been some more your memorable shows? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, um, well, I mean, initially, like any band, when we started, we just, you, you want to play anywhere that an opportunity is given to you. And, and some of our first shows were like playing, uh, we played at this restaurant in, I forget where it was, Carol Stream or something, Manhattan's, I think it was. And we like literally set up and we got paid like 20 bucks and we brought like an electric drum kit and it was the most like off centered type gig you can imagine. And like, I don't even know how we got that, but we, we played that. And then we started, uh, uh, getting, you know, really involved, um, in, uh, in our church playing. So we would, you know, do, uh, small concerts like at our church. And we were pretty formally doing a lot of the, uh, the music for the services. So that was kind of how, you know, some of the initial, I guess, um, interaction we had with people when we would play and start sharing our own music. But yeah, I mean, it's really been something that, um, you know, uh, amazingly that anybody wants us to play um, that over time as we've just really continued to be, you know, faithful to it. uh, There's, there's been um, more than not almost like a business or anything that people kind of spread word of mouth, like, well, you should have these guys at your event, or you should have these guys at you know, your conference and, and really our band. I mean, the, the thing that's great is that, you know, we, we really play, um, a ton of different types of venues. So, you know, I mentioned we kind of started playing in the church and solely doing just that. And, you know, for the same group of like 80 kids every week, and then we slowly started to move into, you know, playing festivals, local festivals, things like that. Um, and then, you know, in 2016, we, uh, we did, uh, one of our larger, I guess, more memorable festivals where we got to open up, um, uh, for a band that's been a huge inspiration to me, a group called Switchfoot, uh, in, um, uh, Minnesota at a festival called Sunshine Festival and, you know, got to play that. And that was a super emotional thing for me because I was just like, wow, 
this little thing that we started in literally the basement of my house when I was 14 um, has brought us to actually be able to play before some of my heroes, which is incredible. And, you know, since then um, we've been able to do, even with bands like Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, we opened for uh, a lot of the contemporary Christian, you know, radio groups at local festivals. And um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I think it's, it's one of those things that in any capacity, like as a musician, if, if you're fortunate enough to get to share your art, uh, in, in any way, shape or form, I think we always just tried to, you know, view that as, as a really big blessing, um, to be able to, you know, just share something creatively. And I think we always tried to stay really thankful for any opportunity, whether that was playing at the restaurant for 20 bucks, or that was driving six hours and, you know, opening for a big band or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, been kind of a crazy evolution of how those things have happened in the first place. So you touched upon the idea about, you know, the artist um, that, you know, you have to kind of share this very intimate thing that you have created with uh, an audience. And, you know, I think that's, that is something that a lot of people who aspire to be creative may struggle with, which is I don't want to get started because I'm afraid to be judged of this thing that I've created. And that might be what stunts that growth uh, of their creativity. How, how did you push past that? That's a really, really good question. I think, um, you know, I think when I was young, uh, having obviously a strong support group of anything that you do, right. It's like the kid who wants to play baseball and, he wants to be a pitcher and his parents, you know, rally and encourage him to do that. And I think for me, um, you know, even in the early stages when like my music really sucked, <laughs> like what I was creating was so, you know, like youthful and which is great. I think uh, I, I was really fortunate to have, you know, others around me that instead of um, kind of putting a, a damper to the flame, you know, of like creativity and what you've started, they would encourage me in that. And, you know, even in me, uh, early on getting involved playing and and even just singing in front of people, I had one, uh, kind of mentor of mine when I was in junior high that he was in high school and I thought he was just like the coolest guy, uh, at our church's youth group. And, you know, I wanted to be like him and he was doing the music and things like that. And he really kind of, you know, mentored me into, um, you know, knowing even just how to do that. Like, how do I play guitar and sing in front of people? Or how do I like talk about a song? Um, So I think that's one piece of it. And then also, you know, for us really within the last year or so creatively, um, I've kind of come to the conclusion that I really feel like songs deserve a purpose and, and art deserves a purpose, period. And I think that's kind of become the mantra, at least the fourth point is that like, we, we believe that songs, if you're going to sing or say something into the world, you know, that it deserves, deserves a purpose or to have some form of meaning or something you're trying to communicate. Uh, and I think it's really, you know, when you really believe like in your creativity and what, you know, what you're wanting to say, um, I, I think, uh, you know, you can hold on to that and kind of push back some of the initial fear that you maybe have. And, and again, it's a growing thing. Like I, I, 
by no means overnight was I comfortable enough to share my first song or, you know, um, uh, play on the acoustic guitar for someone more intimately and just share that, you know, what I was working on. I think it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's all in perspective. And I think realizing that there's real power in, you know, when you do meet somebody that is, is willing to be vulnerable and is willing to, um, you know, push into their creativity. I think that, uh, you learn really quick that, you know, um, others feel the same way that you do. And, uh, really something beautiful can happen when you push into sharing your art. You know, I think all of us have, have really been given uh, a unique song and a unique gifting. And whether that's, again, being in music or being in uh, technology or whatever it is, I think we've all really been given, um, you know, a voice that matters. And, and I think it's imperative that, you know, that you, that you use that voice. And that's kind of been something over the years as we've played, even for a lot of the, the younger generations and we've done conferences and things, I've tried to really voice to, whether it's 200 kids in front of me, 300 kids, just say like, man, your, your voice matters. And, um, you know, you've been created with something unique that only, you know, you can really release into the world. So, um, yeah, I, I, that was kind of a loaded answer, but I think, Oh, that's what we like. I think that's, uh, you know, kind of the thought process behind that support. I like what you said about vulnerability. Uh, it's, I think that's, I think that's not, an emotional place where a lot of people want to be creatively oftentimes. And yeah. that is what derails the whole process is just that dis-ease that people have uh, in that moment to continue yeah. with that. But um, having that support group, like you said, to kind of right. uh, foster that particular growth, I thought that was really well said. Mm. Now, um, obviously this has been a really difficult year for live performance uh, that we've been in since March. How have your, how have you uh, remained to be creative with your music in, uh, in our social distance uh, year here? Sure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where I, I have, I have friends that do music full time and, you know, whether they're corporate bands or things like that. And, you know, um, uh, thankfully I'm not in, in the total position of, you know, my, my income and everything relies on just, just music. And I've seen just over the course of the entertainment industry, I mean, it's unbelievable to think about like, you know, thousands and thousands of people being out of work. And some of my close friends who, um, literally gig at, at restaurants locally and, and corporate events and do a ton of different things like that, uh, have just been on Facebook, like live streaming every night with a tip jar and trying to, um, you know, pay their bills and make ends meet with that, uh, which has just been devastating. But I think, I think for us, the, the fortunate circumstance in one way is that it's allowed us to, you know, be really creative. Um, we're hopefully in the next month or so going to be, we haven't put out any music in two years and, um, we traditionally would create that music, go downtown Chicago at Moody Bible. We had a guy that we worked with there for our first couple albums. And, um, you know, this time of quarantining is really allowed, like when we've gotten together and practiced and done things like that, we've, we've been able to create our own studio and, and start being creative on our own and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of harnessing more working on new projects and our next, you know, record as a whole, which is, 
which has been great. But then there was also some moments that were real bummers too. Uh, you know, right when this started in March, we were supposed to open for um, uh, a band that is uh, pretty well known on nationally uh, uh, Christian radio. And it was going to be a large show. We were going to open for them for two nights. And, you know, I was really, really looking forward to that just because it had been a few months since we had done anything anyway. And uh, like, as soon as you know, this got announced, um, that was canceled immediately. And, the uh, the venue was refunding people, their tickets. And that was going to be one of our larger, to be honest with you, kind of opportunities, which kind of got sucked up, you know, in an instant, um, with a, a local Chicago promoter that we work with. And, and that was hard, that kind of stunk. But, um, the flip side of it, I think it's, you know, allowed us to kind of dive deeper into, uh, just what we're really working on now, some of our own, you know, music and being able to, um, invest a little bit more in that has been, has been awesome. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like a lot of bands, like bands will be signed to like a record label. They'll go somewhere, they'll record the label, will pay for it. Um, and a lot of bands now, and even, you know, musicians and friends of mine that, uh, just because technology has come so far that, somebody like me, who's not like an audio engineer or, you know, hasn't gone to school for it or anything like that. Um, I, we've been able to really learn how to produce our own records, which, um, has been amazing. Not only is it saved thousands of dollars for, for us doing that, but we're being able to kind of be a, you know, autonomous with, uh, creating our own music, which is really great. So, um, it is, it's interesting, you know, you're right that the, um, the very tools for producing music, ha- the price of that has dropped to the degree where in, in many ways it's yeah. democratized the creativity of oh, yeah. thousands of potential uh, musicians. I'm, I'm, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm wondering if the other shoe to drop though, is that the cost of that is that the streaming marketing element of that takes such a big chomp out of any yeah. potential revenue for the artist. Yeah. I'm just kind of thinking out loud there with that. So yeah. yeah no, that's uh well, <clears throat> and even with the whole streaming world, I mean, it's, I guess it, another full to answer your question there. Um, you know, one of the awesome other things that I've kind of uh, led is since we have played with so many local musicians that are either doing music full time or, um, you know, just uh, making more original music like us. Uh, we've really, since the beginning of quarantine, I created a kind of close knit group of local musicians just to, you know, encourage each other and, and share each other's original music. And um, that's been something, you know, which has been really good that's emerged out of kind of all this going on is I was thinking about, well, how can, you know, how can I uh, whether that's hopping on zoom once a month or connect and encourage, you know, some of these other great, great, like just local artists that, um, you know, are grinding and are doing it. And, you know, the weird thing with the streaming stuff is I think you're a hundred percent right. Is that, you know, uh, mixing music back in the eighties and seventies and even nineties was really, uh, being an engineer was like playing an instrument. I mean, that was, something only very select people would know how to do, you know, in front of an analog circuit and they would be able to actually create and record bands. Now, as you and I were just talking about, that's been condensed into literally your laptop. 
to where you have GarageBand, you have, you know, some of this basic music programming stuff where you can, you can make that out of your house. And, um, you know, it's really allowed even for us with like the, the streaming stuff, uh, one of our songs, um, off of our second album, Battlefields called Sick of It All, is kind of the, like, if you look up our band, that's like all you're going to see on the internet and it's gotten a, a couple million streams and Spotify and things like that. Um, and you know, when you talk about a revenue perspective, like the only way we're getting paid is literally just through that, that streaming or YouTube advertising. Um, when someone clicks on the video, they listen to the song and then an ad runs. So it's completely different in that sense where I think, uh, musicians and, you know, filmmakers, content creators are really trying to prioritize just putting out more, just more content, more songs, more albums. Like that's why a lot of artists now don't even, they don't even do an album. They just put out singles because, you know, they know, well, uh, I'm going to put out the single, put all my effort and attention towards it. And it's going to probably drive as much revenue as putting out a whole album would. Um, which is just crazy. I mean, it's, it's, uh, the, the whole streaming world of music has changed so much, even again, since our band started in like 2012, <laughs> it's just nuts. Yeah. I was, uh, I was curious. I was on Spotify the other day and I was listening to a song that was like a popular song, like now. And, and I saw that it had been that the metric that they gave that had been streamed 1.3 billion times. Wow. And I was thinking to myself, hold on, like what kind of cut is that artist getting per stream? Right. Like yeah. I, 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 right. I just, out of pure curiosity, I went onto Google and I, I typed in like, you know, what, how much is a per stream Spotify, yeah. you know, arrangement. And, and I want to say it was somewhere between 0.004 of a cent per stream. And yeah. even, that one song that may have been streamed uh, over a billion times, yeah. it ended up being roughly like maybe one point you know, yeah. seven million dollars or something like that. But that right. that doesn't include what the cut of the studio gets from right. that as well, and whatever the pre oh, yeah. arrangement was. So yeah, I remember seeing um, that you know in in some ways where like it, it's never been better to be a consumer of music, right? Whereas right. I think to be the artist, um, it, it comes with certain risks and, and you know, right. that are there. So it's, it's a really, it's a very fluid time in the music yeah. business for sure. Especially as an independent artist. Cause I can, oh. you know, I can even tell you some of the bands we opened for this band named Carrollton, uh, about a year ago now that again is kind of a, they're a signed band. They're on national, you know, radio, um, have a couple big songs and, uh, it was interesting to chat with them because these guys, you know, again, they're doing music full time. But what they said is that unless you are, you know, the Taylor Swifts and the Justin Bieber's and the, you know, just ginormous, um, you know, superstars in the music world or pop culture, then, you know, inevitably, like all those guys had other jobs, you know, they were doing music full time, but it's they were you know, doing a ton of other side gigs, uh, to just, you know, make money to make ends meet. So I, I do think the streaming world is kind of, kind of, uh, obliterated unless you can, you know, have shows and sell tickets and bring people. It's kind of 
it's destroyed somebody going to your concert paying, you know, 12 bucks for a CD. And if you sell 400 of those at your show, well, that's pretty good on top of like what you're going to get paid to actually, you know, come and play. Um, and nobody does that. Nobody buys records at shows or CDs. So, you know, these guys were just saying like, yeah, like we have a couple big songs, but that definitely doesn't pay even a fraction of like what we need to make ends meet, you know, between four people. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that's the part that most people, you know, to, to use the cliche, they don't know how the sausage is made in terms of yeah. what goes beyond the, in the, behind the scenes in terms of uh, music and arrangements and all that. But that's, that's, uh, it's, it's a whole that's, other discussion, but it's fascinating. So, okay, well, in, let, let's pop over to then your other job. And I was wondering yeah. then, how does your job as a digital marketer in what you were describing, how does that help out what you do with the band? And like, does one, does sure. that kind of strengthen what you can do in terms of how you promote uh, fourth point? Yeah, yeah, totally. No, I think I got into the whole world of, uh, you know, marketing and online marketing kind of by accident in the first place through, you know, I was, I've always really interested in, um, you know, creating good social media content and doing that, you know, for our band and for other things that I do. And uh, I kind of fell into like, hey, there's a ton of jobs in this world, in this, you know, kind of field of online marketing. And it, the, the great thing about it is it's allowed me, you know, not only to still really pursue music hard, but it's, um, it's allowed me to be creative too. So, you know, on the day to day, I'll work with, uh, I, I work for an agency based out of Arlington, Texas, that is totally remote. They do web design, social media marketing, you know, uh, Google ads, whatever it is. And, and companies come to us because they don't want to hire somebody internally to do marketing for them. So they'll, they'll hire, uh, the agency that I work for. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, kind of do everything from like the ground up. If a client needs help building a new WordPress website, then our web team develops that. And then, um, you know, the rest of our team helps them develop an online presence just because, again, especially even with COVID, I think one of the things about the industry that I work in is things have, you know, even gotten more busy because businesses are realizing if I'm not on the internet, I'm not going to make it. Like if I don't have, you know, good uh, reputation management and good, you know, reviews on Google. If I don't have a strong organic strategy to rank my website, you know, organically above the, you know, so-and-so who's my competitor plumber, then, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have issues just period, like getting phone calls <coughs> for my business. So, uh, I think it's allowed me to use the same part of my brain creatively, which is, you know, really been awesome too. Uh, just being in the the end of, you know, helping somebody strategize how to create good visual content. Okay. How do we put, you know, money towards that? Whether the ad campaigns a thousand dollars or $50,000, like, um, helping them to strategize around, you know, something they're wanting to, uh, to put out or, you know, push out. So, um, it, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cool. It's been really cool. I was um I saw on Twitter today that there was a um uh, a former student at West Chicago 
Um, I'm trying to remember when he graduated. I think it was before you. Okay. Uh, John Conchar is a basketball player, and he just signed a, a, a good deal to keep playing professional basketball for oh, the wow. uh, Grizzlies. Okay. And I'm like, so I went, I'm like, oh, well, let's see John. And I saw that he has a, uh, a web page for just him. And it, it, it reminds me a lot of what you were just saying, yeah. which is that his web page is about building the brand of right. John. And oh, yeah. he's got like a um, he's got a merchandise uh, wing to what he does. He's got an identity thing that's called Jitty. Uh, that's cool. all about you know. I think it's like how to work hard but be humble at the same time. And it's it's a really kind of cool yeah. um, persona that his brand is nurturing at this point. So, it, but John isn't making this really cool website. He has yeah. marketers that are doing that are, what you're saying, yeah. building all that up. So it's right. it's really. They're building his brand, and you know it's uh, it, it's interesting because uh, you know I, I work for a marketing agency, so it's not like I go out and I'm you know calling people to get clients. Uh, so I, I get a lot of different accounts assigned to me, which an account is just let's say the plumber down the road is wanting to get more phone calls because his leads have been slow, um, and they want to do Google ads. So then I'll get assigned that account. Um, and I'll work with a ton of different types of businesses. I mean, um, I, whether that's in the, the manufacturing industry, a construction company, I've had a lot of, of finance and um, a lot of e-commerce clients. So, you know, somebody who has a Shopify store or something of that nature and, and they sell product and they're wondering, well, how do I get people to my website and what types of advertising do I do? Um, so it's... Uh, yeah, it, it's it's really one of those things that although although my wife and I watched the so are the the uh, what was it called on Netflix the thing about like how social media is destroying the world oh social dilemma right social dilemma yeah and I thought it was super super interesting I mean like some of the stuff in the beginning I was like well I kind of know this because this is my job but then once they started to get into some of the psychological stuff that made me think I'm like oh my gosh I want to quit my job. <laughs> like this is scary. you're not doing what they're doing though like like yeah. that i think there's a totally you're you're uh, that's different like you're not creating the content yeah. that's making people scream at each other and feel right. uh feel that their their self-esteem is plummeting so you, i think you yeah. can sleep well right oh my gosh it was just like wow this is all about just you know like facebook marketing and everything but you know if if used well it is uh, can be an incredibly life-changing platform for um, for a business, you know, where we've seen a lot of businesses come in that they're on the brink of just, you know, closing. And we've been able to get them to rank, you know, organically in Google above their competitor. And then they start getting a ton more leads. And, um, and the same goes with music and creatively. We have a, a, a good buddy of ours who's done a lot of the production on our albums uh, named Nathan Wagner. He's, he's local lives uh, in the Carroll stream area and, and you should check out his stuff. He's another phenomenal local musician, but um, he's in the last, you know, because of online in the last really year uh, has become a full-time like YouTuber. So he has, you know, a huge amount of subscribers on YouTube and people that follow and listen to his stuff. And, and that all happened for him kind of similar to our song that got popular was somebody with a much bigger following than us shared that. And then all those people start following, you know, that particular artist. So 
that's even a lot of companies will pay for, you know, influencer marketing. Like if this guy has a million followers and if he posts a picture holding my product, well, odds are people are going to go and buy that product. You know, <laughs> if the rock is wearing a t-shirt and he makes an Instagram post, <clears throat> you know, wearing his Nike uh, stuff, how many thousands of people are going to go to the online store and order it just because, you know, they saw him make a post about it. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard. Like it's a blessing and a curse, both in business and creatively with music. And, you know, there's a lot of positives and negatives that come out of it. For sure. For sure. So like there was a, a popular TV show called game of Thrones and one of the more popular things that kept on coming about where they would say winter is coming and all that. And I would, let me just kind of spin this around. Spring is coming, Matt. We're going to have a vaccine at some point and uh, things are going to be very positive and all that. So in that spring, how does fourth point hit the ground running as a band? What's the next like exciting move that you guys have? land once everything opens up and we have a renaissance of music oh, and art and all the good things where does fourth oh, point fit into all that man i'm i'm really really interested i mean that's such a good question because i'm i am i'm really really interested to just see because again there's so many bands like us that just haven't played a show in six seven months and are you know just just craving that and can't wait uh to just be around people and and bring people together through music. And I think, I think for us, uh, kind of the first thing is we're, as I mentioned, we're working on some new projects. We're going to be putting out, um, really, I, I mean, again, I'm always going to be biased about it, but I think our best music that we've ever put out that, uh, we're all just incredibly proud of because it's all self-produced and hopefully by spring, uh, kind of what we're planning on doing is we'll have a five song, um, uh, EP that we're putting out that we've, you know, again, self-produced in our home studio and um, have a, a, a new music video that we film that's just, you know, kind of very next level that we're really, really excited about uh, and going to be putting out. So really, yeah, really for us in the band, it's just going to be putting out, you know, some new music and some new content. And then from there, um, you know, <laughs> playing live music wherever we can or wherever, you know, uh, we can, we can get a gig if the festivals come back on and things like that. That's exciting. Well, at the end of uh, my interviews uh, with students, I always like to ask, uh, what bit of advice would you give to current wildcats uh, about success? Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really, really good question. And I'd love to see like what some of the other, you know, former students have said, but I think, uh, you know, one thing, number one is, um, that I would just say that your high school is a crazy time. And I think there's a lot of pressure to feel like you, you need to have it all together. You need to know exactly what your next steps are going to be, what college you're going to go to, what type of job you're going to get, you know, how many years in school you're going to spend. Um, and, and kind of my first, you know, bit of advice would be just to like, to really just breathe and figure out like, okay, what do I really, you know, like to do and make sure that you take time to figure out what you're passionate about. Because I think, uh, you know, there, there's far too many of us that, um, really just aren't passionate about, you know, the things that we're doing. 
And I think that's the most valuable thing is <clears throat> whether that's, you know, starting a business or, uh, you know, getting a master's degree and, and, and pursuing your education, I think, uh, you know, figure out what you're passionate about and, and run hard at that. And don't put too much pressure on yourself because, um, there, there's, I don't know, I'm, I'm continually amazed <clears throat> even in the workforce, how, uh, how many opportunities are really out there when you're just willing to apply yourself and you're just willing to, to be a learner. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of growth comes like out of that. And once you graduate high school and, and you learn a little bit more about how the world works, but it's, uh, you know, it's not as scary as maybe you may be feeling because I know for me, I was very, um, on the fence of like, well, is going to this school next year what I really want to do? Uh, does that mean I need to give up this? Do I not, you know, can I pursue things I'm passionate about still? Um, so that's what I would say. Like, find what you're passionate about. <laughs> because odds are um, you may not even really know yet. And I think uh, there's a lot of people that I meet and work with that, um, you know, all, all they want to talk about or care about is, is just the task that they're doing in front of them, which is great. But, uh, there's seems to be a, you know, a lacking of like, well, what am I like? Why am I figure out your why? Why am I really doing this? Um, and why, you know, what does that really mean to me? You know? Um, yeah, that's what I would say. That's, 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 uh, Figure out your why, I think. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time today. This was so much fun. Uh, yeah. I will make sure that I link all of your band's um, work in the um, in the notes. So this was, yeah. this was really fun. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, absolutely. Thanks for thanks for pulling me on. And again, this is this is awesome. Like, man, just keep doing this. I think this is going to inspire like a lot of the current students, but also you know, uh, just inspire even the ones that have graduated to like, look back at, you know, these conversations of all these people that, um, yeah, it, it's, it's school. so much fun. It's so much fun. I've, I, uh, it, it's, it, it's, uh, it's not even a labor of love. It's just, it's great yeah. talking to you guys. I love listening to the conversations again when I'm editing them and, you know, even yeah. when I'm editing out all my ums and all my right. <laughs> non right. ramblings <laughs> and right. clipping them out. So it's fun. Yeah. No, that's my Thank yeah. you, Matt. Thanks for listening. If you want to find past episodes, go to Apple Music, Podcasts, and search We Go Vox.